The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week for our very first episode of 2023. Happy New Year. Should old acquaintance be forgot? I don't know the rest of the words. Something, 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 be forgot, something, something, old lang syne. Woo! All right. So unbelievably stoked to have you joining us in the new year. It's going to be a blast. I have already seen the guest lineup that we have January going into February. Just banger after banger. The people coming, the co-hosts are going to be great. The stories are going to be awesome. I'm so excited to have you along here for the ride. Thank you for supporting the program. Thank you for telling a friend. Let us start the year off right. We're going to do things a little differently this week to start things off. Normally, we have our normal slate of co-hosts to talk about things going on in the music industry. But every once in a while, things happen in pop culture that is that are so earth-shaking, that are so monumental that I have to put out our pop culture bat signal and bring in my brain trust of people who have the finger on the pulse of the entertainment industry and on all things pop culture. And so we have a array of co-hosts, a panel, if you will, to uh, break down the Rolling Stone list of the 200 greatest singers that came out earlier this month. And that's what we're going to do for a good chunk of the first segment. Let's bring out those co-hosts here. We have Elisa Rockdoc. We got Evan and we have JC, uh, my my partners in pop culture crime. Excited to see you all. Happy New Year. So it's funny. I just got I just tweeted at uh, the uh, Rolling Stone and they're going to amend this list to add you at number 201. Oh. Your version of all outside time. looking yeah. in. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah, that sounds about right. Late entry. <laughs> I love being introduced as the pop culture Black Panther. I am happy to be here. <laughs> um, lots of, I'm excited to dig into this list, even at the expense of like our normal music industry news, because I think we can all agree this list is more important, but there, there are other things that we need to talk about before we dig into this list. So just hold your horses. Okay. Yeah, you had a whole first list of, of things to talk about, but we're going to talk about, this. we're going to get there. All, all right. Yeah. But first have to mention our guest coming up the next segment. Very excited to be chatting with Emily white. She's awesome. She's a music entrepreneur, author, and host of how to build a sustainable music career and collect all revenue streams. The top rated music industry podcast, which means by ver- by coming on this show, she is what? slumming it and we're happy to have her <laughs> she's but no honestly she's great super accomplished and uh, just has great insight on how to maximize your revenue streams as a creator so it's going to be great to talk to her here's the other thing i want to talk to her about okay and i'm glad her camera is off right now in the green room because i don't want to see her reaction to what i'm about to say oh god I, but i'm gonna run this by you first okay in addition to being an amazing podcaster author music industry genius etc 
She is also a accomplished former Division One swimmer Yo. and has actually represented other Olympic swimmers in her uh, in her like, uh, you know, consulting and music industry practice. Like she represents these swimmers as well. Right. So I want to dig into that. And I've always told myself if I ever ran into a swimming expert, I had one question and one question only for them. And Emily, yeah. if you're listening to this question, don't put anything in the chat. Don't turn your camera on. I want to hear your genuine reaction in the next segment. But I have this and you might call it a delusion, but I've had it my entire life since the 08 Olympics. OK, I want it. But I, but I need an expert to confirm whether this is possible. Could I, a average swimmer, somebody who grew up swimming, you know, South Florida, you know, growing up swimming and all that, could I beat Michael Phelps in a 50-meter race if, if, okay, don't make that face, if I had flippers? <laughs> no! I mean, no, no, look, look, look. I know it's easy to say no, okay, because, like, Look at this body. It does not inspire confidence in swimming. I understand. Best but, option would be hitting him with the flippers until he's unconscious. Yeah, and then you and just then jump he, in the pool. I mean, that's what I meant by with flippers. Oh, okay, well then. I mean, probably. <laughs> like, well, we're going to bludgeon him with flippers and then do the race. No. Hit him with a floppy like, and hit him with look, a hard end. Here's my argument, okay? Like, as much as it's easy to say Michael Phelps is going to beat you every time, there is, we, we all have to agree, there is a level of impediment that we could impose upon Michael Phelps, a level of unfair advantage that you could give me that eventually I could beat him in a 50 meter race. If you attached thousand pound lead weights to Michael Phelps, yeah. I would beat him by at least a mm -hmm. second. That's called murder. So, so well, yeah, yeah I... that too. <laughs> so all I am Double saying step. is that the where, that line where the physical advantage allows me to win is flippers and we only go 50 meters because any more than that and i'm gonna drown and i i and, and i want to get emily white's opinion on this because I, well, I i i it's delusional but i feel like i could do it i feel like he's just got the he's just got the reach i don't well anyway <laughs> he's about 50 meters tall so he's just gonna reach yeah. to the other side <laughs> of the pool honestly like, as pop culture's aquaman i'm gonna have to say <laughs> gonna have to say no it's not happening for you ryan <laughs> We're, we're going to get Emily White's perspective in the next set. And there is a 0% chance she will agree with me, but uh, that probably will not end my delusion on this. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit later in the show about Elisa going to MAGFest. Pretty excited about that. Get a little breakdown from her towards the end of the show. Yay. But before, okay, one more thing on the list before we get into this Rolling Stone list. Just take a breath, all right? I want to tell you guys about a segment we've been doing the last couple weeks that has become increasingly popular on this program, and the fact that it has is hilarious to me. Two weeks ago on this show, or two episodes ago, I should say, we did a story about ChatGPT, where we talked oh. about <laughs> the potential that this platform could have to change the lives of creators. Like, could it be a valuable tool for creators by, for example, like helping them put lyrics together? Could it, you know, could it help you write blog articles or you know, nightmare scenario, could it be a replacement for some kind of creators? Or is this going to be a substitute for blog writing eventually? And to help illustrate my point and to you know, scare some of the audience, I actually had Chad GPT write a whole segment of the show and then told everybody at the end it was written by Chad GPT. And I was hoping that it scared them. Like, oh my God, like the advice that Ryan gave was just from Chad GPT. But instead, the opposite happened. What happened instead was I got emails from listeners being like, 
Can you have the robot give us more tips, please? (laughs) We would like our AI overlords to send more advice. You're now out of business. Right. So now (laughs) business has been broken. Allowing, (laughs) you know, so now we have another book. Exactly. So now we have the AI overlords tip of the week where I ask chat GPT, not like for a specific tip. All I say is I host a music or an entertainment industry podcast for independent creators. Give me a tip of the week. That's all the prompting I give chat GPT. And so far for like the last two episodes, it has turned in some banger pieces of advice. (laughs) So here's what we got this week for our AI overlords tip of the week. Tip of the week. Oh, yeah, and we need some imaging for that, by the way. So I don't know if Elisa, Evan, if you guys could get in the lab and wow, wow, put wow. something together for us. But here, here's our AI overlords tip of the week this week. As an independent creator, it is easy to get caught up in the do-it-all mentality and to try to tackle every aspect of your content creation and distribution on your own. But it's important to remember that you don't have to go it alone. Collaborating with other creators, whether it is through guest appearances, on each other's podcasts, cross-promotion on social media, or co-creating content together can be a great way to expand your reach and bring new audiences to your work. So don't be afraid to reach out and see if there are opportunities to work with others in your field. You never know what connections and opportunities might come your way. Thank you, AI overlords. That is what they gave us. A lot of that sounds great, but there's no way I'd ever go on a friend's podcast. That would be absurd. (laughs) Absolutely What kind of loser would just bring all of his friends to come on his podcast? (laughs) Yeah. But Uh, that's solid advice. I know. That's shockingly really good advice that I tell any small creators. Like, yeah, make connections. Reach out to people. Network. This is good for small business owners. I used to run my own production company. And the reason that I wasn't really... I made plenty of money doing it, but I would have been way more successful if I had somebody to bounce ideas off of, honestly. Oh, yeah. That's just good advice. It, It really is. I've seen... And... I've seen it really work in places where you might not expect like two very different forms of media collaborating together. Like I've seen artists who do makeup tutorials on YouTube working with musicians where I'm going to put your song in my makeup tutorial Mm. video. And now both of those audiences get exposed to each other. So you can come up with some pretty interesting ways to mix and match here. The only thing I would say from a legal standpoint is, you know, something I, I call this release or split sheet is the worst game show title ever. Um, But basically what I say is if you collaborate with anybody and you are creating a thing, a song, a video, a anything, one of the things that you have to figure out is who owns this beautiful thing you've created. And and whatever it's going to be, you want to get that in writing. If it is we're all owning this together and we're going to own it in different pieces, then you need a split sheet, something that says who owns what portion and what can each of you do with that thing. Or maybe only one of you is going to own that thing, and then you need a release. Either way, you want to get that in writing so that there's no confusion later, because God forbid that thing blows up, and then you start fighting over, well, I own that thing 100%, right? Oh, no, you don't own it. And so the more that you can figure those things out on the front end before things explode, the easier you're going to make your life. But when you when you create something together, if you can get at least that piece of it in writing, either split sheet because we're sharing it together, or release because only one of us is going to own it, that can uh, avoid some headaches later in life. So yes. Chad GPT hasn't completely replaced the industry lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually why I like the AI overlords tip of the week segment, 
because really what it is, is it's a jumping off point. Like they give us a piece of advice and then whatever co-host I'm in the room with and I, we vamp for a few extra minutes, kind of building off of what they gave us, which I think is the best thing about what chat GPT can be as a tool. If, if we actually see this as a tool for independent creators and not a replacement for independent creators, chat GPT can give you the thing to start with. It might give you a couple lyrics. It might give you a chord progression. It, it might give, give you a few ideas. Homework. What? Who said that? <laughs> oh my God. The teacher in me, the college professor in me is downright horrified at chat GPT. That is a whole other uh, session for another day, but oh my God. Yeah. Scary stuff. This thing can beat plagiarism detectors. This thing leaves like plagiarism detectors in its dust. <laughs> It, they did a study and you could pretty much get a B or a C just writing your papers on chat GPT at this point. A B or a C. I fed this thing my final exam that I put together for one of my college classes. It gave me a model answer. I was I I I, I saw its answer and immediately like hid under my blanket. Oh boy. Because <laughs> it was it was so incredible. It is powerful though. So a buddy of mine is a YouTuber. Um it's he's start he's just starting it, and the reason he hasn't started it the reason it's taken him so many years to start his YouTube series is because he's terrified of just like, what do I say on mm. camera? And he's literally like, okay, he's doing a 3d printing. Um, Hey, chat GBT, write me a YouTube script for the 3d printing review of filaments. Bam. And it just gave it to him. He read it on camera is exactly what he wanted to say. Just didn't know how to say it. Um, yeah. And it's perfect. Wow. Like, yeah, that's powerful. I'm going to try it with song lyrics and there, it I don't is have any shame for it. either. Chad, right? I'm convinced Chad GPT is the sourdough starter. <laughs> for independent creators it gives you something to work with because sometimes when you're creating like just getting the thing that gets the ball rolling uh is a valuable tool i remember years ago on the podcast we had this uh, founder of a company called amadeus code on the show and amadeus code created a ai based app where you could enter in some prompts like what key you wanted it in tempo feel and it would give you like a starter set of notes or a, a few bars or a chord progression. It wouldn't do the whole song for you, but it would give you something to start with to kind of get that ball rolling in your head. And then you could build the whole song around that. And he said that this thing was a hit for songwriters. Hmm. It's uh, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I can, I can imagine an AI that is just combing the world for like the most popular things being very capable at spitting out something for the lowest common denominator of pop music. Yeah. yeah, that does not surprise oh, yeah. me in the slightest. Yeah, if you just comb the data, you know what we like to listen to. I mean, you could just look at you know Fly, listens at, at that point, but also what we listen to over and over again, like certain parts of songs that we may just like listen to, and then comb that and squish that together. It's just, just mm -hmm. mommy don't know, daddy's getting hot. Just, just Ooh. yeah, it's just that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It's gonna be a bunch of that. Yeah. Hey, now you're a Sam single Smith lady. Get your next week on Break the Business. We got Sam Smith that. joining us. <laughs> oh no! Oh, um, no. All right. It sounds like you guys are already appropriately prepped and catty uh, towards uh, various singers. So let's go ahead and just get into this. In lieu of advice for indie creators, the my, my pop culture bat signal is out to talk to all of you about the latest hate list or hate read list <laughs> that Rolling Stone put out. I mean, every time, like, honestly, Rolling Stone puts out these top 100, top 50 lists just to piss people off. Oh, they always the throw a few point. names in there that make you mad, and then you post it on social media about how mad you are. That's Their the example, whole point of a listicle. Yeah, absolutely. 
This week, uh, posted on January 1st, was Rolling Stone's list of the 200 greatest singers. And apparently you guys are upset about this. But before you like go into it, I just want to say, like as, as an overall observation, I admittedly only glanced at the list because I wanted to like give you all a chance. But like, I didn't find a lot that I hated. I mean, Aretha at number one, sure. Whitney, so, number two. Mariah, number five. John Lennon, 12. Prince, 16. Sinatra, 19. Adele, 22. Fine. You know, like agree to disagree slightly on those, but like anything that puts, you know, my girl Mariah in the top five, I'm okay with that. Uh, before I, before I even looked at the list, I didn't look at the list until like 30 minutes ago. And before I did, I said, okay, that's Elisa, some solid show prep. Good well, research. Yeah. Man. You know, is Aretha number one? She said, yeah. I'm like, okay, then fine. Like we can, we can move on from that. Mm -hmm. I, like that's probably the right answer, yeah. you know, but the issue, <laughs> one of the bigger issues that I take is this is, I actually have it up over here. Keep in mind, this is the greatest singers list, not the greatest voices list. I don't know what the mm, that means. The the distinction yeah. is weird, especially because they're also then, you know, going into. But also what mattered is originality, influence, depth of catalog. And I'm like. Some of this isn't correct if you then start to comb through the list. So mm -hmm. I saw that, and that literally was Rolling Stone's way to say, oh, people are going to hate click this. Yeah. <laughs> but also, <laughs> we told you this wasn't this. a greatest voices list, so please don't come hate us. Uh, but also, click Come this, hate us. We need the clicks. Yeah. We, I've we never heard a clicks. distinction made between singers and voice, singer and voice. Like what is that? singer versus oh, musician is a funny one, you know. Mm. But you don't like, know. I'm I'm not a singer. I'm a vocalist. <laughs> 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 That's what that distinction. I'm is. I'm an interpreter yeah. of sound. Recording yeah. artist. Yeah. Recording artist. I have a lot so, of notes I, on this. Yeah, list. he Evan 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 had his <laughs> notes at app open. He was ready to roll. I'm I'm my my biggest thing is like you're saying, you know singer versus voice or whatever it took me a little long like i like freddie mercury at 14th i was kind of like mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know because yeah, especially freddie mercury because i don't know how many songs aretha wrote now look i preface i i don't know how many songs aretha wrote incredible singer i know she also had writers right um Dude. freddie mercury was a writer and a singer and a performer and all of these things and did it better than the majority of people ever have and well, that's when I start to list at 14, but man, I could have. Ella Fitzgerald is and and like Janis Joplin. Well, I, you're getting are, into my list here now. Well, well, put, well, <laughs> well, we've been together 22 years. Our that's lists true. are combined. Like my my thing is, how are you going to Married say it's community property? Singers, yeah. not voices. Singers, not voices. And then what number was Janis at? Okay, well, it's uh, not that Janis is at 78 that bothers me. Whoa, 78. Yeah, thank you. It's that Dylan is 14. And look, look, the thing they said about the difference between singer or voice and and I don't even remember what they said. Greatest voices or greatest singers. Yeah. Okay. I mean, can the I be honest? A lot of songs. Very successful. I love Bob Dylan. He's fantastic. He was Jimi Hendrix's favorite singer. Jimi Hendrix thought Dylan had the best voice, right? And I love Jimi Hendrix, so I got to get him a little bit of credit for that. The catalog is incredible, but at some point, that has to counteract with the fact that his voice was ass. <laughs> no. and I, I don't hate that. Dylan really don't at care. 14. I huh? don't. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, once you abandon the notion that this is not a ranking of technical skill, 
You know, oh, no, it, no. it, it is not ranked because, in order of likelihood of who's getting into a music conservatory. Because no, Ozzy because, Osbourne is on this list. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like, I mean, D- Dylan's voice was arguably the voice of a generation of musicians. Like, you know, for a segment of musician, like for a segment of history, you'd say, oh, yeah, Dylan is the voice of that era. I would argue that Dylan is the songwriter for a generation of musicians. Mm. Sure. Snap, snap, snap. Not necessarily <laughs> the voice for a generation. Look, I have a lot of notes here. Ella Fitzgerald yeah. at 45. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Then Ella Fitzgerald is 45. Mm, yeah, mm. not cracking the top twenty. Worse of a singer than like, Bob Dylan. <laughs> I kind of wonder what is the best way because, like, I, I I can see it from far away on Evan's app. Like, you got a bit of a a manifesto there. Like, yeah. do we just run through these rapid fire? So no, don't I don't, I don't get too weird about this. Most of these are just like, hey, I'm actually happy that this person's on this list. Yeah, and I'm gonna go through <laughs> those real fast. Bill Withers at 106. That's fantastic. I love Bill Withers. Bono yeah. at 140. That's actually not a shout out. I don't understand that one at all. Bono should be off those lists for putting his music on my phone without me asking. Okay? Um, um, I'm, it's kind of shady, but I like that Erica Badu is higher than Lauren Hill. Um, Ooh. <laughs> uh, I'm happy that Jeff Buckley made this list. Yeah. He died so young and only had I yeah. don't know, one album, two albums. Yeah, and yeah when you talk about depth of catalog, you're like, hey, like, <laughs> give some folks a chance, though. Donny Hathaway is at 126. I didn't see his daughter on this list. And oh, I Layla. Yeah, Layla. That yeah. she's a better singer. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, uh, D'Angelo at 75 really surprised me because I was, I was amazed that he was on the list in the first place. Because he's incredible, and I just don't know if enough people know about D'Angelo in general. Um, Should be higher. Yes. Probably. (laughs) Uh, Bonnie Raitt's on there at like 187. That's awesome that she's there. Uh, And then the one that really threw me was Jasmine Sullivan, who should should be maybe number two or three, honestly, (laughs) if you've been listening to her sing. But still. I I um, mean, if you sit around with a bunch of musicians, you're going to say, really, Jasmine Sullivan, way down there? What are you doing? What, are you doing? Uh, what about Mayfield on a 38? I really love that. I'm almost done here. Stevie Wonder at seven. <laughs> Sorry. Fantastic. Love him in the top 10. The number one thing that I do not like on this list is that number 86. 86. 86 is Michael Jackson. Whoa. Yeah. And you have like Whoa. songwriter and performer and artist and, and, and singer, obviously. Like that's. I, I feel like he's quite literally being weighed down in that list by his baggage. That's well, the I only mean, thing I can think of. All that aside, you take into account some of the people that scored higher than Michael Jackson and bringing it back to their weird deflection of what this list is. It's not a greatest performers list, right? Mm. Uh, but they are factoring anything. It's not a great songwriters list for you to fight about. Have fun. <laughs> what was the reason? As Cardi B once said, what, what was, was the, the reason? reason? Um, so the top 20, again, there's lots of people that I could slot in for whatever this top 20, I could even probably pop Aretha Franklin into number two mm-hmm. and Whitney into number one. Agreed. Um, even though Whitney, you're not going to have, you know, you're still going to have that argument of who wrote what songs, her. who, yeah. and it's not original songs or whatever, but performance, uh, wise Feeling wise, that sort of like, I, I feel like this list boiled down to which singers gave people the most amount of feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you just want to throw all of these, good or bad, mm-hmm. if you want to throw every other metric out that we have to judge singers, tone, range. Um, <laughs> it, you can even throw in that songwriting capability. It's just, 
which singer gave you the most feels? And I would put Whitney above Aretha in this list. Because um, Aretha's usually at the top of Rolling Stone's list for like greatest songs of all time. She, you know, it's I think, I think wasn't Respect the number one on the greatest yeah. songs of all time list for Probably, Rolling yeah. Stone? Yep. Yeah. 500 and Respect is number one. Wow. wow. Did she write so, it? Otis she Redding did. did Otis it. Redding wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. So now, how about we're not in the top spot? Not a reason. He's, he's, is Otis writing on this list? The top ten. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. We can all relax. <laughs> now, and I think Sam Cooke was pretty high too, which is cool. He's like yes. number three yeah. or something. That's fantastic. Wow. Number three. Now, yeah. let's talk about some of the names that did not make the list because I think that's what got people pretty amped on social media. Some of the, the no room. shows include Celine Dion, what Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. Tony Bennett and Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Celine Dion? Celine Dion like, didn't make it. Are you kidding? That's pretty wild. <laughs> I don't know what people are doing there. It's like youngest, a no. youngest E got herself, Jennifer Hudson. Just, yeah. The but E got's are, not there. And yeah. There are two other American Idol contestants on this list. No, which which by um, the way, I want to say that care that, that one of my biggest beefs is that like Carrie Underwood, I think, placed higher than Kelly Clarkson. Magnitudes higher like, than Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly's doing just fine. Which right let's talk about Kelly's What a gig. Great, but I'm like, mm. let's talk about Kelly's spot because Kelly Clarkson is at number 194. Yeah, which is just under seven spots Randy. ahead of me. Brandy, <laughs> yep, yep, right, right before you, right, right <laughs> on you, uh, but but just just under Brandy, as in Norwood. Brandy in, made the list. Brandy I didn't see made that. The list. Woo. Uh, Brandy should make the list. Uh, she is known by us uh, melanated folks as the vocal bible. Like that is Brandy's nickname she is the yeah. vocal bible the fact that she's down there is probably the biggest tragedy uh for this entire list black twitter just did not let that one go they threw the entire list away once they saw that brandy was 193 it you might as well not even put her on the list uh this yeah. is like this is illuminating for me jc i i honestly like this is like a a, a racial blind spot for me i <laughs> I did not know that Brandy was like venerated among black Twitter in the way that you were describing that like 194 on this list is an injustice. It's uh, like Brandy has just been in sort of the peripherals for a really long time, especially, you know, in the past couple decades. But remember, she did that first album at like 15, 16. Mm -hmm. She was super young singing the way that she did. And also the acting sort of, muddies the water when you think of what she does but she's a mm-hmm. really good singer she's mm-hmm. still a really good singer and uh i don't know we couldn't let we couldn't let this one go i <laughs> won't let this one go i don't even think james i mean i mean by 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 distinctive circumstances i i don't think i remember seeing james headfield oh. <laughs> and a distinctive singing voice well, and and by the like you're saying you you didn't see him on the list or you're not sure if he's on the list. I didn't see him on there. I no. didn't see him on the list. No. I wouldn't put him on the list. But like, wait, <laughs> I think I would. Been on the list though. Oh yeah, but, wait. Because like, 
Iron Maiden. Yeah. I mean, to the extent that like you like that heavy metal deserves like representation on this list. Like you can't go wrong with James Hetfield. If you've ever seen Bruce Dickinson, go watch some videos of Iron Maiden. I'm not saying 40 years ago. I'm saying five years ago. That dude can still sing. No kidding. Yes. I was like, I got to do a control left for Steve Perry. Like, like, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, and by the way, that's my other beef with these Rolling Stone lists that drives me nuts. And like anybody who goes through these lists to hate read them as like virulently as I do, they separate the list in batches of 20. And there is no way to like search like for a particular artist to see where they are. If you want to find out where your favorite list. artist is on the list, you have to like go through each page and control yeah. F. And like I get why they're doing that, right? They want the clicks, they want the you know page reads or whatever. But like, you know, facilitate our hate read, Rolling Stone. Yeah, that's all we ask. Absolutely not. A little search bar. Let us type in the name so we can know if James Hetfield is on this list without having to take forty minutes to find him. I love what they did. I love that the list is a little bit international. I love that Selena is on there. I love that Celia Cruz is on there. Mm -hmm. Um, They're India for sure, and Selena, of course. And Selena, yeah, like I love that they did that, but just problems with the list. Yeah. You can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Emily White wouldn't mind. <laughs> uh, let us take the quickest of breaks. We'll be back in two to chat with our guest, Emily White. Really excited about that. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Seamless. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Joined with Elisa Rockdock. Evan Lamb Guitar and Jay Sizzle. That's where you can find our co-hosts on Twitter. Uh, you can check out Break the Business on Sirius XM 145 on all major podcast platforms on Facebook Live, Twitter Live, Twitch Live, wherever there's live streaming. You've probably found us there at some point. And new thing to add to the uh, 
menagerie of social medias and everything. I am on TikTok now. Ah! I started a TikTok profile. You can find me at Rye the Law Guy on TikTok, but don't tell any of my friends that I know personally that I'm on TikTok. I'm trying to keep it a secret from them. All right. In all honesty, your first TikTok, banger. I enjoyed it. No kidding. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you. I thought it was all right. I'll take that too. It's about what I expected. We'll go ahead and bring out our guest this week. She's an, she's an acclaimed music and sports entrepreneur, best-selling author, and host of the podcast, How to Build a Sustainable Music Career and Collect All Revenue Streams. Season two of her program will debut on volume.com on January 10th, and you can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.collectiveentinc.com. We are happy to welcome Emily White on to Break the Business. Hi, Emily. Hey, Ryan. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to have you. This is going to be an absolute blast. I want to talk all about your podcast. I want to learn about how to maximize revenue streams for indie creators. But first, we have a very important Mm -hmm. question to ask you, completely unrelated to all of that far more important stuff. In the first segment, I had uh, talked about a understandably delusion that I have that I've held for many years, ever since the 08 Olympics. And I've been waiting for a swimming expert to opine on this, which you are. You are a former Division One college swimmer. You've managed Olympic-level swimmers in your career. So you might know a thing or two about this. Now, something to know about me, Emily. I am a, we'll call it slightly above average swimmer. I have grown up around pools my whole life, as most South Floridians do. I know my way around a pool, Um Though I would not purport to be like even like high school level swimmer, but I'm capable. Okay, where the deep end is and everything. No kidding. That's all. That's what I'm saying. So now that you know that about me, could I beat Michael Phelps in a 50 meter race if, and that's an important if here, if I was wearing flippers? There's no way. I'm sorry. Come on. And like, like you had me for a second when you were talking about it at the beginning, like, okay, he swam or whatever. And like, I can't like not get really technical. Like we want you to no get, get into the weeds. That's why you're here. Go, and he works. He still works out every day. So he's going to go 23, 24 seconds. Like that's really fast for 50 meters here's here's the twist i would recommend you put on it and maybe you have a chance if he did breaststroke and you did freestyle with fins Mm. Mm. what if i had a jet ski (laughs) you'd be good then yeah do you know michael phelps could we set this up he's human um i i know his rep I've worked with his team and I've had the privilege of, of meeting him um, right. quite a few times. Then, then we need, we need to circle back on this. Also, I don't know how long 50 meters is. <laughs> I just know it's like the, sh- I know it's like the length of an Olympic size swimming pool, but I've never actually been in an Olympic size swimming pool. I'm not hundred percent sure I could make it to the end without drowning, but good to know. All right. That's about what I figured. Thank you for uh, absolving me of that delusion. Let us to more important matters. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your book and your podcast and just everything, all things, Emily white. Uh, we were talking earlier about your, your new season of how to build a sustainable music career and collect all revenue streams is coming out on volume.com later this month. Let's talk about revenue streams. Cause I think one of the coolest phenomena that we see in 
indie creation these days and probably what distinguishes it most from the way things were 20 years ago is the proliferation in the number of ways that a indie creator can make money. Like talking about musicians 20 years ago, it was sell your album, go on tour. Maybe you, you know, pedal some merch and that's it. End of list today. There are so many more revenue streams. And so uh, could you kind of reflect a bit on how revenue streams have grown like in the last 20 years if things have gotten more digital as there's more platforms these days? Yeah, definitely. I think really the key is having access to those revenue streams, but also knowledge because literally every musician I ever talked to of any age or any level is is missing revenue. So I did not set out to be an author. Um musicians kept wanting to get coffee and like pick my brain or whatever. And I was having the same conversations over and over. I'm sure you guys have had these experiences too. And so I was like, why don't I just write this down? That'll be easier for everyone. And then if they have questions, let me know. But what you're asking is the second half of the title. Um, I I ran management companies for decades and retired from artist management a few years ago. But the last few artists we took, I took on for management I was finding money for them left and right. And on one hand, that's totally, you know, part of a manager's job. But on the other, if that's happening to, you know, national, international acts that people have heard of, then then what about everyone else? So I, I feel really strongly about um, education of these revenue streams. I have two lists in the book. The first is money that's owed to you if you write, record and uh, play live. You know, and it's amazing. And like, you're a professor too. Like, I mean, I feel like when I was starting out in the business, like this is not a diss, but like ASCAP and BMI, for example, did a really great job at conferences. You know what I mean? Like signing people up and being Mm -hmm. really proactive. And now I meet, you know, 19, 20 year olds that are like scared of that and like don't want to sign their publishing away, which is obviously not what that is, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and then the number one missing revenue stream I see is music publishing which is of course, because when you sign up for your performing rights organization, they encourage you um, to create a publishing designee. So again, I I could be talking to a songwriter who's 70 or 50 or 25 or whatever. And I ask how they're collecting on their publishing and they say BMI or ASCAP or whatever. And if you are just signed up for your PRO and your songs are getting covered, streamed, sold, any of the above, you are not collecting on your music publishing in full. So you need a publishing administrator to do that. And I've been I've always been a big fan of Song Trust because that's really democratized music publishing. You don't have to sign your rights away. You don't have to even work with a music publisher. You can work with Song Trust and make sure you get that money. So I just and then the second list I have in the book are bonus revenue streams where you have to do something. So it could be like VIP tickets or a podcast or something like that. But it's like, let's just get the basics of that first list down um, and then we can get creative from there. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Song Trust. Uh, yeah. You know, wh- what a cool innovation that was that in the old days, if you wanted publishing, you had to do a co publishing deal. Somebody was going to own half of your copyright. Obviously, like, co- you know, publishing companies aren't going to give anybody a co-publishing deal. You had to be established. And then companies like song trust came along that are publishing administrators that any songwriter can come to them and they'll collect all of your performance royalties, your mechanical royalties. They'll take a small commission, much less than the 50% that a co-publisher will take and allow you to collect those royalties on a worldwide basis, right? Because ASCAP and BMI, that's just domestic. If you want 
the rest of the international performance royalties, you need an administrator like Song Trust who can put their hands into all those uh, global pockets and get all that money for you. So you talk, you made this distinction, right, between the traditional musician revenue streams, uh, recording, publishing, and then you talked about these bonus revenue streams that have really proliferated, right? You talked about meet and greets or VIPs, uh, maybe crowdfunding. What is one of these bonus revenue streams that you think mo too many artists are sleeping on and really should look into? I'm so glad you asked that. Um, I think live recordings, um, mm. because as we all know, in the pre-digital era, you know, you would have to sign your rights away to record and distribute. And then, you you know, if you were signed to a label, you weren't allowed to record your shows and do anything with it. So I think it's really cool that we have that technology. Um, I totally understand why artists don't do it very often because, you know, we're all super self-critical and like the sound isn't perfect or I'm not perfect or whatever. But people want to hear like, um, you know, like themselves shout or they said Milwaukee or they said Miami or whatever. Um, the jam band scene does an excellent job of this, you know? Um, and like, I just think it's a cool memento. And so now that, you know, the majority of artists own their rights and have access to that recording technology, it's like, even just record your shows and put it up as a donation on your website or put it up as a, as a subscription. So I'm biased as a fan, but I think that's one that people are really missing out on. I love that. And it's great because you're already doing it anyway, right? You're already yeah. playing live. So all you're just trying, all you're doing is just finding another revenue stream for a revenue stream you're already pursuing. So it's, you know, an, a whole other revenue stream for not that much extra work. That certainly sounds like a win. Um, another thing that you do that I think is worth talking about, because I think democracy is on everybody's minds right now. As we record this, I think we're on the three millionth vote for Speaker of the House, and we still haven't. By the time this gets up on uh, SiriusXM, we might still not have a Speaker of the House yet. So we're all thinking a lot about democracy lately, and you are quite a proponent of getting people out to vote. You created the I Voted initiative that uses the power of music to bring people into the democratic process. I love this. Can you tell the folks a little bit about it? Yes. Yeah. I can usually only tell this one way, so I'll try to do it quickly. Um, I'm originally from Wisconsin, where the 2016 presidential election was decided by 22,000 votes and change. It was decided next door in Michigan that year by 10,000 votes and change. And I, I read that voter turnout was down in my home city of Milwaukee. And I was like, 22,000 is our basketball arena, so why don't we even fill it? So we started in 2018 by activating over 150 venues in 37 states to let fans in on election night who showed a selfie from outside their polling place. And it really caught fire from there. That that year, for example, we had um, My Morning Jacket, Playboy Cardi, Maggie Rogers. And then we were planning for a big 2020. I was holding arenas in key states when, of course, the pandemic hit. We pivoted and produced the largest digital concert in history. Fans RSVP'd to access our election night webcast with a selfie at home with their blank and unmarked ballot or from outside their polling place. And that one, we had over 400 artists participate, like Billie Eilish, Living Color, Fish. The list just really went on. And we're also totally data-driven in how we uh, reach out to talent. So instead of just reaching out to artists, you know, that we hope people like or think that they'll like, 
we reach out to the top trending artists in key states whose electoral margins are often decided by the size of a venue. So we just wrapped up I Voted Festival 2022. We had over 300 artists participate in the webcast. We also added a layer um, because I wasn't comfortable asking venues to open their doors for the selfie because they're still recovering from the pandemic. So we partnered with really every concert promoter nationwide who donated tickets to over 600 concerts in the, in the early voting period. And we launched the I Voted Early Sweepstakes. So you could enter the sweepstakes with your selfie criteria, because also there's criteria if you're underage or you're not, not a, a non-citizen or ineligible to vote um, and to win those tickets. And then that also RSVP'd you um, for the webcast. So um, yeah, I think we're going to do some work this year um, in my home state of Wisconsin. Uh, we have a big su Supreme Court election coming up, which will affect 2024 and voting rights. I think we're going to do some work in Virginia for their November election. And then we're just going to go wild in 2024. So thank you for asking about that. I really appreciate it. It's really thank exciting. doing that work. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and sign us up. <laughs> How can people find out more about this? Head over to ivotedfestival.org, sign up for our email list, follow us at ivotedfestival on social media, and we'll be keeping you informed and in the loop all the year. We also um, uh, have an I Voted Festival podcast. We interviewed uh, over 200 uh, voting experts and, and I Voted artists last year to take us through the election year. So um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm just really freaking grateful for our amazing team. Good on you. That's really, really terrific stuff. I love seeing artists, you know, get an opportunity to explore their space as activists and use the power of their art to bring about social change. And you're right at the center of that. Gotta love it. Speaking of podcasts that you're up to, oh, can't go too much further without talking about the season two of your top rated music industry podcast, how to build a sustainable music career and collect all revenue streams. It's going to be starting up again on January 10th on volume.com. People can check it out there. Tell us a little bit about what you have in store for this season. Thank you. Well, I've got breaking news for you guys. Oh. Um, we're going to have Vernon Reed from Living Color as our season Ooh. premiere guest. Oh, Ooh. damn. Emily, I'm a guitar player. That's, that's <laughs> to me. I feel the same way. I'm super stoked and fangirling out. Man, you're um, not dipping your toe in the water at all. You're <laughs> big guns. Episode one. I love it. Well, thank you. And I have to say, like, I, you know, my relationship with Living Color um, extends out of I Voted Festival because they are our... MVPs. They do everything we ask them to do. And then they come back to us and are like, more, more, we want to do more. Um, so awesome. they are just like, that makes me happy to know that they would do that. Yeah. Perfection <laughs> artists. Totally. Yeah. So Vernon's going to be on episode one, get your art together, which is all about how do you know when you're ripe and ready to record instead of forcing it or trying to make music that you think people will like instead of your heart, your your soul, your spirit. And actually, his team just told me this is a perfect topic for Vernon. So super stoked. Wow. Excited. Tell us about volume.com because that's mm. where your program is hosted as a live stream. I've been researching some stuff about it. It seems like a pretty cool place where artists are congregating and, and you can really do some cool live streaming stuff there. I was intrigued by it. And since this is an audience of creators, I'm sure they'd love to know more about it too. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, thank you. So volume.com is an awesome live streaming platform. Um, I'm going to be doing season two of this podcast as a live podcast taping. That's also an interactive workshop. 
Um, I live in New York City, but I'm going to be recording this in my home city of Milwaukee at No Studios, which is owned by Academy Award winner um, John Ridley, who's also from Wisconsin. And partnering with Volume was just a total no-brainer because, you know, we all speak at music conferences and, and see artists in the audience, like, spending money to be there and just, like, grasping at nuggets of information. Okay, this is what sound exchange is. Like, this is what PR is. And I've never seen that information put in order from creation mm. to execution or recording to release. So that's what the book is all about. And then I've brought that to life in in podcast form. And so um, with season two, we're going to be doing this through a Milwaukee lens that's, that I, my intention is applicable anywhere. How do you build yourself up locally and then expand regionally, nationally, and internationally from there? Because really... How you pitch, you know, local radio or a music journalist in Miami, in Baltimore, in Milwaukee, in London, even um, it's it's all the same. Right. So that's my intention with season two. And um, yeah, I'm so psyched about volumes technology and just the support of no studios here in Milwaukee. Well, Emily, the concept for your podcast is great. If I could just offer some constructive criticism. <laughs> Instead of logically ordering your topics in like a nice sequential process from beginning to end throughout the season, have you instead considered just having a bunch of people come on and yell about a Rolling Stone article yeah. for 20 minutes? Uh, um, I haven't, but I really enjoyed that. And if I can give my two cents for a second. Yes, absolutely. Please do. Because I, I hadn't, I mean, I'd like seen it trending and stuff, but I, I didn't look at the list until you guys were talking about it. I actually, I actually think the list is, is fairly good. Um, I love like mm -hmm. the historical nature of the list. Maybe I'm biased. There was like a lot of my favorite singers mm -hmm. on there. I will say I was really surprised Robert Plant was so low. He was like Ooh. 67 oh, or something, wow. which felt really shocking. And I and Janice Joplin should definitely be higher. And my and then the Jennifer yeah. Hudson thing. I mean, I no offense to the Rolling Stone team, but they've got to be like, oh wait, we did make a mistake there. I yeah. don't know how that. I mean, no offense to Kelly Clarkson. I rarely say something. I'm not even saying anything negative about her, but I don't understand how you have Kelly Clarkson, but not Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. There's room for both of them on that list. Yes. And certainly, Absolutely. you know, Jennifer Hudson needs to be like, that has to be something where all the Rolling Stone people are just sitting around a table being like, how did we miss that one? Yeah. <laughs> like right now there's like a little slip of paper that says Jennifer Hudson that like fell underneath a desk and they <laughs> lost it. <laughs> <laughs> like <Exactly>. oh no <laughs> yeah all right uh season two of our guest emily white's podcast how to build a sustainable music career and collect all revenue streams debuts on volume.com january 10th emily white is our guest it's been awesome chatting with her emily before we let you go one last question for you do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward 100 percent. it's all about data collection um, from your fans, email addresses, mobile phone numbers, bonus points, if you can get their zip or postal code. But it's also the same for industry folks. And, you know, because that's a question. And I'm sure you guys get this question all the time, too. Like, what, what would you what do you wish you knew or whatever, mm -hmm. like back in the day? And, um, you know, just, you know, for industry folks too, like just create a Google spreadsheet for yourself and pop every everyone you come into contact with, put their email address, all that good stuff in there. Because like, you know, when I was 20, I was so excited to be meeting industry people and I couldn't imagine not remembering them all. Mm -hmm. um, but now we all have very large networks and we all know, you know, algorithms, social media platforms change. So industry folks should build 
their database. But back to your original question, that I mean, tech companies are the most valuable companies in the world because they have uh, all of our data. So it's not like the sexiest or most creative thing for artists, but they need to think of themselves as as tech companies and get as many um, email addresses and phone numbers. Do we lose Emily? No. Oh, oh, we're back. I froze. There Sorry. we go. We're back. <laughs> we're <good>. Sorry. It's <laughs> my fault. I have way too many windows open. So I'm still catching up from the new year. She, she's trying. See, because she has all the different, like, 20 yes. segments of the Rolling Stone article to try to read it all. At, you know, this is Rolling Stone's fault is all I'm trying to say, that we lost Emily White for a couple seconds. Emily, this has been an absolute treat. I feel like you get the vibe of our show, which is a nice way of saying you're really good with putting up with our nonsense. <laughs> and we invite you to please not be a stranger. Come on back anytime you like. We would love to keep this conversation going. This has been a blast. I would be honored. Thank you. You got you guys are a blast. Oh. That is Emily White, everybody. That uh what a what a fantastic guest. What a great conversation. I Evan, you're beaming. I think you enjoyed uh chatting with her. Oh, it's fantastic. Yes. I'm I'm glad that somebody acknowledged jam bands. Yes. <laughs> like most industry professionals are like, what's a jam? Who's a who's a fish? Like, no. How, wait, how long are your songs again? How long are your songs? Yeah, they average minutes. about 10 minutes. Sorry. <laughs> like, that was awesome. And yeah, and shout out to Nugs.net, who's doing all of the the, the live show, like, yeah. storage, curation, curation yeah. storage, you know, whatever. Yeah. I feel like um, Emily was just trying to ingratiate herself to you, Evan. Like, she looked you up right before the show. <laughs> And she's like, I'm going to get one jam band compliment in during this interview. Guitar. It's like mm -hmm. live show recording. Yeah. She's like, I Tiny have pens. three passions in life. Swimming, jazz band, uh, jam bands, and people with blue hair. Uh, like, all right. Well, you got me. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Elisa, with the time we have left, I would love oh. to hear a little bit more about what you're going to be doing at MAGFest. Lauren, do we have a graphic of the... There we go. You you got a busy dance card at MAGFest. First, can you tell us what MAGFest is and then tell us what you're going to be doing there? Yes. Um, MAGFest is the music and gaming festival. It is a celebration of all things of video games, of video game music, voice acting as well. Um, I often label MAGFest as the convention that I go to to take a vacation from other gaming conventions <laughs> um, because it's very small still. And it's it's a nonprofit, and there's like very little corporate money. Like you're not going to be bombarded by the uns 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 of like an E3 or even a PAX East. What's you know, people uh, uh, <laughs> the 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 Electronic Entertainment Expo, which is apparently coming back. But like you're you, you know you're not going to get like a bunch of like monsters <laughs> and like promotional T-shirts thrown at your head. It's like a general genuine community celebration of this stuff, and. Um, on Friday, uh, one of the cool things about MAGFest is they have a segment of the con called Mages, which is the Music and Gaming Educational Symposium, Mages, which is the best. And so when I was a baby geek um, going to grad school and studying music games uh, for my social PhD, that was a kind of incubator for me to do academic presentations and meet with other fellow academics studying video games. So on Friday, the prodigal daughter returns to mages with the Dr. Elisa, Elisa Rock, Doc Melinda's PhD's office hour. Um, so I'm going to be doing a hodgepodge of just talking about industry stories and my journey through music in the video game industry 
how I got my music in a video game, um, how the hell I got into voice acting from all of this stuff. Um, and then speaking of voice acting, that is all happening on Saturday with voice actor autographs. For some reason, they stuck me in a video game music composer's roundtable. <laughs> yes, it's it's music- not an Elisa episode of Break the Business without her like crapping on herself one time. <laughs> I'm like, I, I did. It's, it's like I don't make video game music. My music has been in several video games, but I'm like, I don't know. Um, and then Voice of Palooza um, is fun because we got a bunch of voice actors, including um, folks from Team uh, Fortress 2, as well as GLaDOS from Portal. I get to hang out with Ellen McLean, nice. which is really like the only thing. I get to hang she out with GLaDOS. So nice. And she's the sweetest she's human so nice. on the planet, and I love she? her. And, and I get Ugh. to sit at the same table with her. Um, and, and Voice of Palooza is where you get a bunch of voice actors to read wild ass stuff in character um yes. celebrity versus is like a nick arcade kind of thing that for some reason i'm a part of and then um for some reason i'm also going to be a part of a voice actor workshop trying to tell people how to be better uh, video game voice actors even though i've only been in just like the two but <laughs> jam-packed thing and i'm so excited to go and and get all of the crafty and and just like meet all of the people i missed last year um and I'd been going to this con for the better part of a decade um, since yeah. I was a baby grad student. And now I'm a, like a voice acting guest, which feels really weird because I get access to better snacks now. And that's just, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, I already mentioned the crafty <laughs> twice. <laughs> it's, 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 it's going to be an absolute blast. I'm so excited. And if you find yourself anywhere near the National Harbor, Maryland area uh, this weekend, um, I, I, would, I would love to see you there. Yes, definitely check her out, people. I I thought this was going to be the year that I was finally going to get to go to MAGFest, and then right. I went it, ahead and procreated. It's, so, it's, <laughs> so, it's good. so fun. It's so good. It's 24, it's 24 hours. hours. That's the other thing. Oh. Just like roll out of bed at 3 a.m. Yeah. and go play anything. Literally <laughs> anything. Wow. I've never been to a 24-hour convention. (laughs) Absolute blast. I'm so thrilled for you, Elisa. I love, like, I can't tell you how much it makes me smile to to see that graphic, to see not only that you're going to be there, but that you have quite the itinerary. They're going to keep you very busy because whether it's music, whether it's gaming, whether it's voice acting, like all the things that this conference does, you are involved in all of those things, and so you got a lot of cool stuff to do there. So, so thrilled for you. Accuracy by volume, baby. One of these industries is going to hit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Our thanks to producer Lauren. Our thanks to Emily White, to Elisa Rockdoc. You can follow her on Twitter there, at Evan Lamb Guitar. For Evan, at Jay Sizzle. For JC, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Ryan K-A-I-R, or at Ryan the Law Guy on TikTok. Shh. And um, it's going to be a blast. I, I mean, 2023 is going to be such a great time for Break the Business. And it's because all of you viewers and listeners are just making this such a fantastic show. Thank you all so much for your support and for checking out the show. We'll see you next week.